We're talking here about the kingdom of God. And concerning the kingdom, uh, we've been looking at uh, the fact that there is a present spiritual kingdom and there is a future physical kingdom that will come in as well. And this is, this is kind of shown to us in the scriptures um, with these, these words, the age and the age to come. And we're going to look at those two phrases uh, tonight and maybe even look that, at them again on Sunday uh, afternoon as well. But we see here in, in Matthew 12, verse 32, he says, Whosoever speaketh the word against the Son of Man, it shall be forgiven him. But whosoever speaketh against the Holy Ghost, it shall not be forgiven him, neither in this world, neither in the world to come. Neither in this world, neither in this world to come. Now, this word world is the Greek word anon. It's, it's, in our transliteration, it's spelled A-I-O-N. And that word aeon means age. And it's often translated in the scriptures as world, speaking of the, the, the age that we are in in the moment. Uh, one of the more uh, popular ones that we think of when we think of that word world that is actually the word age is in Matthew chapter 28 and verse number 20 when the Lord says, And lo, I am with you all way even unto the end of the World. That, that's again that word aeon or age to the end of this age. He's saying he is with us. It's it's what the world is operating in in the moment. That's that age that it's in. And so that's what's in reference here when we see that word world or aeon, uh, and that that plays very much into this understanding of this age and age to come in regards to the kingdom of God. Uh, the kingdom of God is God's reign. And it is the divine sovereignty of God in action as He reigns even now, here and now, and in the future to come when, we, when this part of the kingdom will be physical, uh, when He'll be physically present in, with us and here in our presence to rule and reign. And so it's, it's, His rule is manifested uh, in different realms in the sense of the present and in the future as well. The realization of God's will is not to be perfectly realized in the age that we live in today. This, this age, God reigns. In this age, God rules but we're not going to see the perfection of it from the physical standing. Um, what he rules, how he does it, is perfect. But we're not going. There's the problem is still the reality of sin in this world that we are living in. This world and this world system, this this whole creation, as far as that goes, that's tainted by the wickedness of man. We're not going to see that perfection of God's reign in that. Uh, it's not that God couldn't do that. It's simply that He has chosen not to in this time frame. He has, he has an established time 
when he's going to bring the physical nature of his kingdom to pass. And there are things that he has set in order to come to pass before he brings that kingdom into the present and to, and, and, and to the physical uh, realm of the world that we live in today. Uh, we read that in Revelation 19, for instance, is the beginning of that physical reign of God in this world. When Christ Jesus will come, as is described to us there beginning in verse number 11 of Revelation chapter 19, of His return in power and great glory in which He will take His throne on this earth at that time. And then we, the rest of the book of the Revelation, uh, chapter 19, 20, and 21, is Him establishing that kingdom and the things that will happen at the beginning of that kingdom a thousand years into that kingdom, the end of what is called the millennial reign, and then the eternal ages as He continues to reign. Now, when we're talking about the millennial reign of the Lord, uh, and we're not really getting into that just yet, but I'm just giving you a timeline so you'll understand what I'm talking, at, talking about here in regards to these things. At the millennial reign of our, of our Lord, we believe in a millennial reign because especially Revelation chapter 20 in the first six verses tells us five times, thousand years, thousand years, thousand years, thousand years. There is an allotted set appointed time of a thousand years in which there is a reign of Christ on this earth. Now, His reign does not end at the end of that thousand year period. It's just He's got some things He's going to do at the end of that thousand year period that ushers us in to the eternal ages of His physical reign. Okay, so he begins it, we read in Revelation 19. We'll go over there real quick. This is not in my notes, and I didn't want to go here, but this is where we're going, so this, this is what we're going to do here. Revelation 19, verse number 11. Revelation 19, verse number 11. Uh, here is describing for us uh, his return to the earth, to establish His kingdom. Now, this is not, this is not the rapture. This is not the rapture that's taking place here in chapter 19. That's already taken place here in the, in the timeline that we're given in the book of the Revelation. That's what we're looking for now. Right now, we are looking for the rapture of the saints. We are looking for the Lord's return to take us from this place. First uh, Thessalonians chapter 4, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, as Paul describes though this event, the Lord describes it in, in John chapter 14, but particularly Paul speaks to it in, in uh, 1 Corinthians, or I'm sorry, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, he particularly speaks to the fact that when the Lord comes to receive us unto Himself, the rapture, the catching away of the saints of God, when He comes to do that, He's not going to set foot on this earth. He's coming in the clouds, Paul says. 
And there in the clouds is going to call us up to Him. That is that catching away. That is the rapture of the saints that is described for us in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, 1 Corinthians chapter 15. The Lord speaks to it in John chapter 14. Those, those, that reality of us being called up, that's what we're looking for right now. That is the next event on the prophetic timeline. That's what we are looking for to take place next. After the rapture of the saints, the Scripture declares to us, particularly in the book of the Revelation, beginning at chapter number 6 on through to about chapter number, well, really chapter uh, 13 speaks of all the, the, the bad things that's going to unfold there in the, uh, it, during that tribulation period. But from chapter 6, basically on up to chapter number 20, is a description of the events that take place during what is called the tribulation period, the great tribulation. It's also called Jacob's trouble in the scripture. Uh, it is uh, a, a seven-year period of time that is described for us in uh, Daniel describes it for us. Daniel chapter 9 describes some of the events that take place there. Uh, Daniel chapter 10 and 12 also speak a little bit concerning these some of these events. But you have uh, Daniel describing that for us. You have it described for us very plainly in the book of the Revelation as he gives us the details there in regards to these events that will take place during that seven-year period. It's divided, Daniel speaks to this, of it being divided into two halves. The first half is three and a half years. The second half is three and a half years. Daniel has it down to the number of days, the 1260 days and the 1260 days. He's got it divided in the number of days there and what will take place in those different periods of days. That first half, the first three and a half, there is great trouble that's on the earth. There's all kinds of things that are going to unfold. All kinds of bad things are going to be taking place during that time. And that's simply because the witness of God has been removed from the earth. Because God takes His people. He's coming to get us and take His people out of here. Now, during that time, however, the Lord's still going to save souls. There's still folks that are going to be saved. Particularly... He describes to us 144,000 Jews that are going to be sealed. These, these Jews are going to be sent out as uh, missionaries, as witnesses to the world, particularly to the Jews scattered in the world. Uh, this, this is about, the tribulation period is about Israel. Israel is what is in focus. This now... The age, the aeon that we are in now is what is known in the scripture as the age of the Gentiles or the time of the Gentiles. This time will end at the rapture of the saints. That's when this age ends and a new age begins. Now, during that age, that is a seven-year period there, and it, Israel then becomes the focus of that age. That's the reason that time frame is called Jacob's Trouble or the Abomination of Desolation. Uh, it's, it's a bad time, particularly the second half. 
the next the last three and a half years. That is particularly the bad time when this world faces God's wrath being poured out on it. And yet all the while, God would still be saving souls, even during that seven-year period as he's pouring out his wrath upon the earth. That seven-year period ends in a particular battle, and there's going to be warfares going on all through that seven-year period, but there's a particular battle called the Battle of Armageddon that will end this seven-year period. And it's described for us in Revelation chapter number 19 in the first half. It describes those that, uh, um, well, not not chapter 19 rather, but uh, on back, it tells you them gathering. And then in chapter 19, it begins the, the, the preparation in heaven of what the Lord's about to do in coming to end that seven-year period of tribulation and begin this millennial reign that is mentioned here. Now notice verse 11 of chapter 19. And I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse, and he that sat upon him was called Faithful and True, and in righteousness he doth judge and make war. His eyes were as a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns, and he had a name written that no man knew but he himself. He was clothed with the vesture dipped in blood. And his name is called the Word of God. Now, that goes right along with John's right. John is the one who wrote the Revelation. He is the one that calls Jesus the Word in John chapter number 1. In his, in his gospel, he calls him the Word. Here we find him calling him the Word again. And his name is called the Word of God And the armies which were in heaven followed him upon white horses clothed in fine linen, white and clean. That is us. That's us. We find already in the book of the Revelation that these, these white linen garments are given as the clothing for the saints in heaven. That's what is given to us as a sign of who we are in Christ in glory. And that, that's, that then is describing us here coming with Him. Now the only way we can come with Him is if we're with Him when He comes, you see. And so that means that that catching up has already taken place, that we are in the presence of the Lord, that when He comes to take His kingdom, we're going to be coming with Him to do so. Now there are those that, that account for this that don't believe like we believe on eschatology and they say, well, that happens in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. We're caught up in the clouds and we meet the Lord in the air and we all come down. Well, I mean, I guess if that's the only verse you're using, you could say, okay, that fits. But that's not how it works out. That's not what the other scriptures tell us in regards to the events that take place. There is the rapture of the saints, there is a seven-year period of tribulation that takes place on the earth. And at the end of that seven-year period, the Lord returns and brings us with him again to the earth to take his throne. Okay? Uh, we come with him. Verse 15, it says, Out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword, that with it he should smite the nations, 
And he shall rule them with a rod of iron, and he treadeth the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God. And he hath on his vesture and on his thigh a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. In case you didn't know who he's talking about when he called him the Word of God, <laughs> he tells us further here exactly who he is, the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And I saw an angel standing in the sun, and he cried with a loud voice, saying, To all the fowls that fly in the midst of heaven, come, gather yourselves together unto the supper of the great God, that ye may eat the flesh of kings, and the flesh of captains, and the flesh of mighty men, and the flesh of horses, and of them that sit on them, and the flesh of all men, both free and bond, both small and great. And I saw the beast, that's speaking of the Antichrist, and the kings of the earth and their armies gathered together to make war against him that sat on the horse and against his army. They come originally to Israel to conquer Israel. The Lord returns, and when he returns and us coming with him, their attention then, the Antichrist and his army that have gathered together there in the valley of Megiddo to take on this battle against Israel, they turn their attention now to the Lord and to us. Said, we ain't going to be doing no fighting. We're, we're not going to be doing any of the fighting. We're just going to be doing the watching here. It is at this time that Zechariah tells us that the Lord will set foot down on the Mount of Olives, and when He sets foot upon the Mount of Olives, the mountain is going to split in twain. Israel is going to run to Him as a nation. They are going to run to Him for their protection. They're going to see Him as their deliverer at this point. And He will fight now against this beast and his army. Verse number 20, the beast was taken. Not much fighting from him. He was simply taken. And with him, the false prophet that wrought miracles before him with which he deceived them that had received the mark of the beast and them that worshipped his image. These both were cast alive into the lake of fire burning with brimstone. Now think about that just a moment. These guys enter into their final damnation at this point. They are sent to their, to their judgment in the lake of fire burning with brimstone before their master gets there. The Antichrist and the false prophet are cast into the lake of fire even before Satan is cast into the lake of fire. That doesn't come until the end of that millennial kingdom, which chapter 20 tells us about. It says, verse 21, the remnant, the remnant of the beast army there, they were slain. With the sword of him that sat upon the horse, which sword proceeded out of his mouth, and all the fowls were filled 
with their flesh. So, that's how our Lord is going to fight this battle of Armageddon. He's simply going to speak. He speaks his word and his armies are destroyed, or his enemies rather, are destroyed before him. That's how this ends. Now begins the millennial reign of the Lord. Now again, it's, look in chapter number 20. It says, I saw an angel come down from heaven having the key of the bottom of his pit and a great chain in his hand. And he laid hold on the dragon, that old serpent, which is the devil, and Satan. So just in case, you don't know who John's talking about. <laughs> he gets as clear as he can get here. That, that old serpent, the dragon, the devil, Satan, him. That's who he gets a hold of. And he bound him a thousand years and cast him into the bottomless pit and shut him up and set a seal upon him that he should deceive the nations no more till the thousand years should be fulfilled and after that he must be loosed a little season. And I saw thrones and they set upon him set upon them rather, and judgment was given unto them. And I saw the souls of them that were beheaded for the witness of Jesus and for the word of God, and which had not worshipped the beast, neither his image, neither received his mark upon their foreheads or in their hands, and they lived and reigned with Christ a thousand years. But the rest of the dead lived not again until a thousand years were finished. This is the first resurrection. Blessed and holy is he that hath part in the first resurrection, on such the second death hath no power. But they shall be priests of God and of Christ, and shall reign with him a thousand years. And when the thousand years are expired, Satan shall be loosed out of his prison. Seven verses, six times, thousand years, thousand years, thousand years. Thousand, there's going to be a thousand years. That's pretty clear that our Lord will be reigning before these next events will take place that he describes to us there in chapter number 20. Now, at the end of that thousand years, Satan is going to be loosed out of his prison. He's going to be bound for that thousand years, be removed from the earth. He's not going to be tempting anybody during that time. He's not going to be deceiving anybody during that time. There are those that claim that Satan is bound right now. I heard one preacher say, well, if he's bound right now, then he's bound to me because he's everywhere I'm at. <laughs> I heard another say, if he's bound right now, he's bound on a rubber band because that rascal is all over the place. He's bound to the great chain during this time in the bottomless pit, the scripture says, and locked away. This has not yet happened. This will happen during the millennial reign of our Lord. And it's, again, the, the beginning of the reign takes place as described there when he comes to physically take his throne on this earth. 
the thousand years does not end his reign. It just marks the time in which Satan is going to be loosed. He's going to go into the four quarters of the earth and he's going to find those that will have exiled themselves to those four quarters of the earth. Believe it or not, during the reign of the Lord, not everything is going to be perfect on this earth. There's going to be a great deal of wonder. There's going to be a great deal of change that's going to take place, but it's not going to be totally perfect because there's still sin. There's still sin on this earth, even during that millennial reign of Christ. And there are those that will separate themselves from him they will not come in place of him. They will go and exile themselves to the far reaches of the earth because they do not want to have anything to do with this righteous reign of the king. And when Satan is loosed for that little season, he's going to go gather them people up and he's going to have enough for an army. And he's going to come back again to try to fight against the Lord. Except this time... Even Christ is not going to fight. His Father is going to fight. And we won't get in, we won't read all of that, but the Lord ends that battle just as easily as Jesus ended his battle in chapter 19. That, that then begins the judgments. What we've already read is the second death. And this is when... Those that have died without Christ are brought up before him. Uh, a short reprieve from hell to be brought into the presence of the Lord to receive their final judgment. And then being cast into that lake of fire at that point. That judgment is what's being described there in the remainder of chapter number 20. Then 21 describes the eternal ages of that reign of our Lord as it continues. There's going to be some major changes at that point. The world is going to be recreated. The, the, the heavens will be recreated. The old earth and the old heaven, they're going to be burned up. They're going to be, they're going to be uh, made new. Uh, the scripture talks about the earth being done away, but we're told in the book of, of Peter that Peter says it's going to be burned up and remade. It's going to still remain. This earth will be will remain, but it's going to have every vestige of the wickedness of man burnt off of it and remade. It's going to be made new. Uh, heaven and earth will, will pass away in that sense, and this new earth and new heaven will be brought in, and that will continue on the eternal reign of our Lord. The thousand years is only marking the time in which Satan and the remainder of the lost are going to receive their just reward. That's what's being marked there at the end of that thousand years. And so this is the age, the aeon to come that's being described here. That's the aeon to come. We are living in this present aeon which is the age of grace, or the time of the Gentiles. That is the age that we are in right now. That when we read the world now in the scriptures, that is the word aeon or for age now, the age of the Gentiles. 
that has been going on now for 2,000 years. Okay, since Christ until now, we are in that age. It is at the end of this age when this age to come is all going to take place, you see. And so this, this is the age to come that's being described here in the Scriptures for us in this word aeon. Now, there is another word for world that's given to us as well. That's the word cosmos. And the word cosmos uh, means something in proper order, something in harmony, something in proper arrangement. Uh, and it's, it's where we get the word, our word for cosmetics, for instance. Uh, it's, it's, to, it's to give you ladies that use uh, the war paint. It's to, it's to fix you up, to make you proper. That's what, that's, that's what it's for, to arrange you properly. That's where, we're, that's where that word cosmetics uh, comes from, that word cosmos, to be in proper order, harmony, or arrangement. And so cosmos usually means the world as everything constituting an orderly creation. Everything doing what it's supposed to do. The four seasons, the earth spinning on its axis, the sun rising and setting in the time that it's supposed to, the moon coming up, the stars shining, everything moving, everything continuing on just like it's supposed to. That's, that's that word cosmos for world. But that, that second word, the aeon, the one that we're kind of focused on in this study, it, it is a period of time. Um, and yet many places it's translated in uh, the scriptures as world because it's describing the present state that we are in. And so that's the reason the word world is used instead of the word age there. It's describing this world, right? <laughs> it encompasses all of it. And, and that's how it's going to be. It's not going to be particular nations, but it affect, this age affects the whole of this world. And so that's, it's the reason that word is used there in regards to the age that we are in. Um, notice with me just a couple of more places, and we'll I'll hold us off until next time. But go over uh, Ephesians one twenty one. Ephesians one and verse number twenty He says, far above principality, speaking of, of Christ, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this world, this aeon, this age, but also in that which is to come. And so... We're going to see Jesus reign when he comes in power and great glory, as is described for us there in Revelation 19. We're going to see it physically. But as Paul tells us here in verse number 21, he's already reigning now. You see? 
He's already seated at the right hand of His Father. He's already reigning over this age, the Gentile age, just as He will reign physically over that age to come. Okay, so that's, that's, He's describing these two separate ages and the reality that the Lord's kingdom is going on in both of them. Right? Now, go also with me to Mark 10. Mark chapter 10 and verse number 29 and verse number 30. Mark chapter 10 verse 29 and verse number 30. Jesus answered and said, Verily I say unto you, There is no man that hath left house or brethren or sisters or father, or mother, or wife, or children, or lands for my sake and the gospels. But he shall receive an hundredfold now in this time, or this aeon, houses and brethren and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions, and in the aeon, or the world, to come eternal life. But many that are first shall be last and the last. First. So he's describing again both, both realities of the kingdom of God. There is the ruling of him now, and it's the spiritual reign he has declared. We, it's not for us to see at this point. We are not looking at it, but we know he reigns. But there's a time coming when we will see it. And we'll see it because we're going to be coming with him when he does it. And the world's going to see it because they're going to be here seeing him when he comes, you see. And so this, this word aeon is describing the, the ages or the world in its present state and the world that is to come. And so that's what we'll be focused on looking at that, that reality of those two divisions of now and yet future as we see these further verses as we continue on in our study. We'll hold off here though. And come back to this on Lord willing on Sunday, and uh, look at these the events, particularly as I kind of went over with you already. But those events, particularly dividing these two ages, this age and the age to come. All right, let's stand. We'll be dismissed tonight.